Hello, this is Top Stories. I'm Andy Zaltzman, telling you what was the biggest news in the world as exclusively decided by the Bugle podcast at some point in the relatively recent past. Uh, Today, we're going back to May 2017. In his early White House days, Donald Trump was channeling his apprentice persona, firing a pretty big player in national security. Anuvab Pal joined me for Bugle issue 4028, entitled You're Fired, A Forced Acquiescence. Top story this week, um, Donald Trump, apparently he's he's a president. He's the president of the United <laughs> States, which apparently is still a nation. And the head of the Internal Security Agency of the United States, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, uh, had some changes. And um, apparently, Andy, its leader, uh, James Comey, was fired. It appears, if you remember, Andy, that during the elections... Comey had come out and said he was investigating Hillary Clinton. Yeah. It turns out that Trump came out and fired him. And indeed, it appears that while he was investigating Hillary Clinton, Trump was investigating him. <laughs> Eight months down the line, the result is a firing. A firing apparently by a letter handed over from Trump's bodyguard to the head of the Federal uh, Bureau of Investigation. That is old And school. I think this is a good thing, Andy. Yeah, it's old school. Like, if you are going to fire the head of the FBI, you better send your bodyguard because, <laughs> you know, everyone in the FBI is a bodyguard. So I think it's it's about speaking the right language. So I just wanted to know, Andy, you know, how do you how do you feel about about this? Does it have any personal impact on you? Were you indeed being investigated by the comedy division of the FBI? (laughs) I'm not sure entirely, although, you know, I have been secretly listening to many of Donald Trump's press conferences. Uh, I do freely admit that. Um, So maybe they should be investigating me. I mean, it is, it's quite a complicated story. And it's sort of like a box set TV series in which I've missed a few of the episodes because I've been busy and I now just cannot keep up with the f***ing plot. It seems almost too clever for its own good and all kinds of completely unfeasible nonsense seems to be going on. Now, on The Bugle, we have not covered this Trump-Russia story quite as exhaustively as we might. And uh, as a podcast of historical record as we are, we do need now to rectify this oversight. So I'll just give you a quick background to the whole Trump-Russia story. It all began back in 1776 when America declared independence from Britain for reasons that still don't really stack up to this day. This set them on a path to becoming the world's most powerful nation. Eventually, the Russian monarchy was overthrown in 1917. Shortly afterwards, an insurgent movement known as Little Lenin and the Loony Lefties took power. The aftermath of the second of these world wars saw Europe effectively karate-chopped in two like one of Bruce Lee's birthday cakes, with the Soviet Union taking control of the East. Prolonged political standoff punctuated by occasional outbreaks of chess and Rocky IV. But after that, unfortunately, he was then replaced by Mr. Putin, a black belt at megalomania and someone who apparently has a tattoo of Joseph Stalin looking admiringly at a parade of tanks on the inside of his eyelids to constantly remind him of his life's goals. With American democracy entering its silliest ever phase, the Russians thought it might be a good time to dust off their old pantomime Cold War spy uniforms and get back down to business. So there you go, that brings us pretty much up to date. Sorry if that took a bit long. Rich rich editing uh, in the Chris chair this week. Just maybe snip a few bits out. Uh, Trump has dismissed the probe into him as a charade. 
Uh, the acting FBI director, Andrew McCabe, who's replaced the fired Comey, uh, said it was a highly significant investigation. Uh, as always, one imagines the truth lies between the two, albeit as a Trump sceptic, I believe it lies about one millimetre away from Mr McCabe and around about 26,000 miles away from Mr Trump. <laughs> Andy, uh, one of the things or one of the quotes that came from the administration was that James Comey had committed atrocities. <laughs> um, and what I wanted to know from you is in the in the great line of global atrocities, you know, <laughs> in the lineage of Pol Pot, Genghis Khan, uh, the great Mongol marauder, Hugalu. <laughs> Um, and Joseph Stalin, where would you put James Comey? Well, I mean, he's got to be right up there, surely. I mean, he didn't technically result in the uh, the unnecessary deaths of millions and millions of innocent people. But apart from that, it's right up there. In terms of the greatest atrocities ever committed, uh, it's, uh, I mean, some would even say uh, it's an almost Bon Jovi level of atrocity. That is correct, Andy, that is correct. <laughs> And the administration has done a really good job of of being transparent with the American public. And I want to know what you thought of this recent quote from uh, one of the spokespeople, because Sean Spicer, he's apparently gone missing. He's been hiding in a box. He hasn't come out. Um, <laughs> but his replacement said the other day, which I'm sure will go down as one of the great quotes of all time, up there with things George Washington has said and Adam Smith have said. Uh, she said, look, if a president fires someone, he fires someone. And I thought, <laughs> never in the great, you know, annals of human resources has there been a more logical statement. And I just wanted your view on how the human resources side of this was carried out. Well, I mean, that's uh, there's always you know hidden human resources casualties in in these things. I mean, I imagine. I mean, Trump, presumably when he took office in January, just thought now as president of America, there are effectively. 350 million people he can sack. I think that's basically how he sees it, <laughs> as the boss of America. I mean, this is, I mean, he's already got through a few. But I imagine by, you know, by four years' time, he'll be just going around primary school saying, you, 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 you're fired. Um, this is, he, Andy, I think you've really figured out, you know, what the Trump agenda is. I think you've really <laughs> finally figured it out. Thank you. For him, I think severance is not... Two months salary, but literally severing you <laughs> in the way that a mad dictator would. Some other uh, notable words said Trump himself described Comey as being a showboater and a grandstander. <laughs> a showboater and a grand from a man who is to all intents and purposes an overpriced luxury yacht on display in the seats above the halfway line in a large stadium. <laughs> Does that quite make sense? Who cares? The world doesn't make sense anymore. And I'm a product of my times. But Coming from Trump, Anubab, surely being called a showboater and a grandstander, is the highest of all possible personal compliments, equivalent to Roger Federer shouting, that, my friend, is an elegant backhand at you whilst you're playing tennis. And if it is not a compliment, then being accused of being a showboater and a grandstander by Trump is like being slammed by Hannibal Lecter for eating unethically sourced meat. Or it's like Lucy, the Australopithecus afarensis hominin skeleton dated to 3.2 million years ago, giving you stick for being more than averagely dead. Or it's like being taken to task by Mount Vesuvius for having buried too many Roman towns in 79 AD. What is the world coming to, Anuvab? 
Trump has denied that he intimidated Comey. Uh, someone suggested this, that he intimidated Comey. And he issued a statement stating that the horse's head on Mr. Comey's pillow was, quotes, a traditional American cure for sleep apnea. <laughs> Apparently, Mr. Trump said the fumes from the putrefacting nag-noggin opened the airwaves, quotes, just as effectively as old-school smelling salts or a set of medical forceps plonked up your conquer. The president added that a horse head on the pillow is as effective at helping people spring out of bed in the morning as an octuple espresso. You don't need to be Marlon Brando or a rocket scientist, said Mr Trump, to know that when someone wakes up next to a severed horsey bonds, they tend to sit up rather abruptly and get on with their day. I think that what, what you're looking at here is a case of professional rivalry, right? Yep. Now, a person who has a bedroom made of gold with gold-plated mirrors under which he sleeps. Now, when he calls a man, uh, you know, a grandstander, I want to now see James Comey's bedroom. <laughs> I really want to know what's going on there for this architectural rivalry to be going on. I want to know, is there a diamond-studded mannequin of Andrew Jackson that also lights up in neon? I, I just, I'll, I'll give a local example. You know, a lot of people who come to the Taj Mahal in India look at it and they say it's beautiful, it's lovely, there's nothing like it. But some also say it's a bit much. <laughs> it's a bit much. If you had a residence like that, it would be slightly over the top. Not much, slightly. The President of the United States is the sort of man who said, it's too subtle. <laughs> so he decided to build one in New Jersey, but make it even more louder and made of gold and jewels. <laughs> and if the Mughal Empire was alive and around, they would look at that and think, yes, yes, <laughs> this, this is what we were really thinking. It took 400 years for it to get built and they finally realized our vision. But we had the screenplay, he made the film. But the, the Taj Mahal was essentially, that was a, a token of love when it was basically an elaborate bunch of flowers from a guy to his, uh, to his current squeeze. That is correct, Andy. And I feel like I don't know which of Mr. Trump's marriages he was in at the time, but he could have built it for the same purpose. <laughs> I think we all know that if Donald Trump builds a Taj Mahal, there is only one person in the relationship that that is addressed to, and that is Donald Trump himself. <laughs> of course, I mean, it's very hard to know the truth of this story. It may be that it doesn't really come out for, for decades and decades, but I find it hard to believe Trump. He's not so much the boy who cried wolf as the 70-year-old half-boy, half who screamed, hey everyone, there's a huge armada of wolves coming whilst renting a load of drama students to dress up as wolves and bark. I think you just described Fox News. <laughs> it is not easy to take a man at his word whose name looks like someone hastily tried to change the words don't trust and only got halfway through it before they were caught red-handed. A man whose every utterance sets off even a sympathetically calibrated bullshit alarm. That was another Top Story. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on this issue of Top Stories, on any previous issue or any issue of The Bugle, why not come to see The Bugle live? Touring the UK in March. Tickets on sale at thebuglepodcast.com. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, 
and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now.